Should Founders Care About Moats? Isaiah Taylor, February 5th, 2023. You can find this post and more at isaiahtaylor.com. More work should be done in the space of analyzing founders' emotions and facial expressions on different slides of the slide deck during a funding pitch. Where does the founder perceive his weak spot to be? Is he insecure about his team? Is he trying to pump up his traction when he knows it's pretty poor? Someone ought to make an Apple VR app for this. VCs will pay you a lot for it. I'd like to see the results of such a device on the competitors and moat slides specifically. I'm willing to bet that 95% of founders are just blowing sunshine around the room on this one. Some of them even believe the sunshine themselves bust their hearts. Here's what I see. Moats should not matter to early stage founders. They should hardly matter to early stage investors, angel through seed. Competition and fast follow have very little impact on a company through its first $100 million of market cap. As seen from the early stage, moats are actually more correlated with negative indicators. Here are some examples. We're moving fast, and once we have the market, network effects will be our moat. Okay, but first movers are rarely successful at capturing the market. Here's another one. Nobody else would think to try this. Hmm, there are a lot of smart people in the world. Why would nobody else think to do it? We have high switching costs. Well, unless you're the first mover, this is a double-edged sword. You probably have proportionally high cost of acquisition if your market has high switching costs. All this to say, if a market is hard to take and easy to hold, this only benefits the players which have already taken it, so probably not your startup. The fact is that the playing field is surprisingly level in startup land, and it is very rare to have an early stage deal with true defensibility. Defenses are built over time. Brand, network, scale efficiency, and aggressive M&A are all games that large companies could play once they already exist in the market. And of course, some products and business models will end up being more conducive to that. But I don't think that this realm of speculation is at all relevant to the founder. The Defensibility Incentive What does moat failure actually look like for a sub-$100 million company? Who does it benefit? Who does it penalize? If you get attacked by a better business with a similar product but better distribution, seek M&A and book the win. The later this happens, the better. But even an early acquisition can be a huge win for everyone involved. It is far more efficient to work together toward the product market fit and distribution that you both aspire to. Of course, we know that VCs are unicorn hunters. I think the truth is that this is the only reason we ever talk about moats. Moats are the things that create unicorns and decacorns. When you have massive leverage and are able to grow unrestricted without margin compression into a huge market, you have the ingredients for a unicorn. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I don't care about this. Defensibility is a personality trait. This is the arena of Satya Nadella, Bob Iger, and Sheryl Sandberg. There are some founders who have both sides of this, Bill Gates perhaps, but it is well outside of the normal set of motivations for founders. Founders build things because they are in love with the people, the problem, and the market. Motors build moats because they're in love with the chess game. That's fine, by the way. Zuckerberg was wise to bring on Sandberg. But I'm not going to pretend to care about maximizing my competitive positioning in the market at the stage when I'm talking to the first 1,000 customers and all my infra lives in Supabase. As a VC, I think you're smart to analyze my concept for its positioning, and I will happily field questions that help you reach a conclusion about it. But to me, and my early investors and stakeholders, an M&A event one year into building is one of the best possible outcomes. If someone has better distribution than me, why try and replicate all of that in the market? It's much better to join forces and raise both boats. 
When events like this happen early on, there's still an enormous amount of market alpha to be gained, as long as you make most of the deal equity. The question of whether or not my fledgling startup will someday have a massive and untouchable moat like Google Search, fueling a money printer the size of Texas, the ads business, is frankly not that interesting to me. If it was, I would be in M&A or corporate strategy. Sergey and Larry were not thinking about this when they started. They were thinking about how to make the world's information accessible. And speaking of Google, here's the second problem with trying to get founders to care about moats. You can't predict them. Google had the most incredible moat in the world last year. It was completely unassailable, even by Apple with a $2.5 trillion market cap and Microsoft with a $1.9 trillion market cap. Both of these two have more money and better distribution. And a mere six months later, here we are questioning the future of Google Search. This was not a linear event. Microsoft was not planning on overtaking Google Search in this way. They already tried that and failed spectacularly. So it's ludicrous to suggest that I should care about this as a founder. The things that really matter, team quality, severity of problem, product market fit, have almost no bearing on defensibility at all. I think the fact that founders are talking about defensibility is an example of influencing your market too much. Unicorn chasers should be thinking about the future market impacts of a business, but signaling to founders that they should care about this is completely counterproductive. Founders should not care about it. Nobody starts a startup in order to own a monopolistic, in a good sense, money printer. They do it to solve a problem, build something fun, and walk away with cash. If your motivation or starting point is about market dynamics, maybe you should go to Elliott, buy an existing company which will serve your thesis, and skip the death by a thousand schleps that founders go through. So, next time I'm going around with a pitch deck, I think my defensibility slide might just be a QR code to this post. Depends on how cheeky I'm feeling. Thank you for listening. You can find this post and more at isaiahtaylor.com.